So uh, as I'm sort of in my seat and I'm worshipping the Lord and uh, waiting on him and thinking, well, Lord, what would you have, say, to Pastor Brian and Lynn and to City Builders Church, our partners in destiny, our more than good friends, our covenant friends, and I, and, I, and I felt him lead me again to the vision I got on Thursday evening of a cloud that rains salvation. Rains salvation down on our community, on your friends, on your families, uh, your work colleagues, and, uh, and for the impossible becoming possible. And, and I just really sensed the Lord sort of prompt me to encourage you to prepare yourselves for the salvations that are coming. And he took me to Noah, how he spoke to Noah and said, prepare for me an ark in which I will bring animals, people, what have you, into the ark because I'm going to reign on the earth. And I just felt the Lord say to me, let the people know that I'm going to move that it's not something that's going to be in a future generation, but it's going to be in our time. It's going to be in our season. This is a now season, not a wait season. So it's a time for us to prepare. In other words, when people come in, they're going to need to be discipled. And I felt strong in my heart, the Lord was saying, call the people to open their hearts to begin to say, Lord, prepare me to disciple those you're bringing into the kingdom. So I want to encourage you. I'm not saying you give up your life, but I am saying that other lives God wants you to reach. Other lives are going to come to you and uh, you may say, but I've only known the Lord for five minutes. Just give people what you've got. That's all. You know, it's one thing for salvations to come in the front door. It's a whole other thing when they leave on the back door because they've not been discipled. They can get inspired by an encounter with Jesus, but what they need to have in their hearts is Jesus overtaking them so that they can come alongside a mature people and be formed in Christ, which I believe is a mandate, one of the mandates on this house, is to reach the community and form Christ in the lives of those to whom God sends you and, call, and, and calls to you. Amen? Praise God. And before I share, I wonder, uh, John, would you mind just helping me with this, or Julian? Um, I, I've got into the practice, um, they're just notes that I'm sharing from. There's not going to be enough for everybody, so stick your hand up if you want something there. Um, maybe share in a, as a family or something. But uh, this is what I've been doing for a number of years now, is sending my notes out for ministry to all of our people. And, uh, and it helps them follow, it helps them take something away and build on what's being said. I want to share with you this morning about God's ultimate plan for your life and that ultimate plan is to inherit the kingdom. Before I can talk to you about inheriting the kingdom, I have to talk to you about a couple of things. I need to talk to you about kingdom. I need to talk to you about culture. I need to talk to you about revelation truth so that I can then talk to you about kingdom transition on this earthly plane. So, Father, I just thank you for your spirit that is here in this house. I thank you, Father, for your desire 
to fill our lives with everything that you have. I thank you that it is your desire that our lives would access and connect to every good thing in heaven. That we would access the inheritance that you have set apart for us in Christ Jesus. That we should not be in lack for anything. But that, Lord God, your desire is to fill our lives to abundance, to overflowing. So that we may be a blessing to others and that our life on earth would be a life that will glorify your name. And our lives be unbreakable. Our lives be undefeatable. That our lives be more than conquerors. In the name of Jesus, amen? Because this is what God wants to do. That's his desire that's his will for your life, that you receive everything that he has established in heaven. And sometimes you think, oh, well, he's only given me this or this. But I want to tell you that when we inherit the kingdom, we don't inherit a part of the kingdom, we inherit all of the kingdom. So let's see where we go with this. Romans chapter 8. Let me begin with Romans chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, because of that verse, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if we live by the spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The kingdom. When a believer lives by the Spirit, they are living in the kingdom of God. When we're living by the Spirit of God, when we're living our life according to the Spirit, we are living in the kingdom of God. You don't die to go to the kingdom. Through Christ's death, the kingdom has been made available to each and every one of us and every person in our community. But to live in the kingdom of God, we must live by the Spirit. When a believer lives by the flesh, they are living in the kingdom and the cultures of this world. Remember, look at the terminology I'm using. I'm referring to a believer, a believer in Christ Jesus. So when a believer in Christ Jesus, Jesus lives by the flesh, they're actually living in the wrong kingdom, not the kingdom that God wants them to inherit. They're living under the cultures of this world. So let's have a quick look then at a culture. A culture reflects kingdom values. I've got a little bit of a definition here, which I feel the Spirit of God gives me, has given me, and I want to share it with you. A culture is a prevailing mindset and a value system. So a prevailing mindset and a prevailing value system. It's established on perceived truth, which is manifest in and through the life of a person. When people believe the sa- when enough people believe the same thing, that becomes the prevailing and accepted mindset and value. That's culture. 
Culture reflects who that person or that group of people has submitted themselves under as Lord. It will be Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit or it will be self through demonic influence or demonic, demonic spirits. The Word of God must be the governing influence of all cultures. Otherwise, all cultures carry nothing but death. If it is not God's Word that governs, that is the governing or the primary influence over our lives, over our thinking patterns, over our value systems, then it's going to be self. And self, I refer to as sense knowledge, because we're going to move into, in a minute, revelation truth or perceived truth. There's a big difference here, and this is where the world is going wrong. But when the Word of God is not our dominant influencer over our thinking patterns and over our value systems, then self begins to become Lord rather than God. Sense knowledge becomes the, the, the source of truth, in inverted commas, that a man or a woman or a people group begin to believe. So that rather than it be built on the wisdom of God, the truth of God, it becomes the truth they believe is, is, and the lives they built on that truth is all established on what I call sense knowledge. Now, sense knowledge is a curse. Sense knowledge is what Adam and Eve landed in after they sinned. When they died to God, when they died to the relational connection in the spirit and in the heart with God in the garden, they were cast out of the garden. Why were they cast out of the garden? Because if they were permitted to stay in the garden and were to partake of the tree of life, they would live forever in a sinful state. And that's not going to work. So, sense knowledge is the wisdom of man. Sense knowledge is what I see in the natural, what I hear in the natural, what I feel in the natural, what I taste in the natural. And I, and I gather all the knowledge that is, that is obtainable in the natural only and I process it through my brains and I arrive at a conclusion and that conclusion is my truth. Do you understand? So when man lives in this cursed condition where all he can discern his truth or base his truth on is natural, then he's in trouble. This is what the Bible refers to as the wisdom of man. And the wisdom of man determines culture. Or the truth and wisdom of God will determine culture. Culture controls and defines people. Bottom line. So we've got to choose what's going to be our primary influencer of our mindset. Would you agree? Lordship determines and defines culture. So ultimately, there are only two kingdoms and there are only two cultures. The kingdom and the culture of God, which we call the kingdom of light, and the kingdom and the culture of hell, which we will call the kingdom of darkness, or the Bible refers to as the kingdom of darkness. 
At the foundation of any culture is a mindset. So I'm just laying the foundation right now for coming into understanding the kingdom and the inheriting of the kingdom. Do you understand? If you don't understand that it's a mindset and there's a culture and there's a, a reconfiguration that needs to happen, then I can talk to you about inheriting the kingdom, but all you're thinking about is inheriting a kingdom that's a natural one, not a spiritual one. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the kingdoms and cultures of this world. How do we become conformed to the kingdoms and cultures of this world? By the mindset that they have. By agreeing with or believing the truth that they present, that they have obtained by their own perceptions that are only natural. This is why we have such confusion over sexual identity. Because man is, is leaning on an understanding which is not the truth of God, but it's a truth that he has developed through only his limited sight and hearing of natural realms. Do not be conformed to the kingdoms and cultures of this world, but be transformed by, by, by the renewing of our mind. So we need the truth to reconfigure our thinking so that we can live in the kingdom. If this doesn't happen, I can't inherit the kingdom. I'll continue to live the way the world says is right and truthful, not realising that I am, uh, for want of a better word, aborting the kingdom that God wants to give to me. When there is no king, the culture of self prevails. Judges 21-25, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Here you can see sense knowledge. Here you can see the wisdom of man, okay? When there's no king. In Proverbs, sorry, that was Judges 21-25, in Proverbs 21 and verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So man's living in this realm that he draws truth from, but God's not looking at the natural realm to determine what is the outcome for your life. He's looking at your heart. He's looking for your heart. If he can find your heart, he can connect you to himself, and when we get connected to him, that's called salvation, then the eyes that can't see the spiritual kingdom of God begin to discern the spirit. We begin to see the kingdom. Until such times we're born again, we can't see the kingdom. It's not possible for us. So the word of God or the opinions of man will define our culture. Is that true? We need to choose. We need to choose. We've got to be proactive in this. The Word of God or the opinions of man will define your culture. It'll define the culture in your life. It'll define the culture in your family, in your home. It'll define your culture in your church. It'll define the culture in our community. It'll define the culture in our region, our state, and even our nation. And listen to me. You can see it. 
You don't need to be a rocket scientist to see what is happening with the cultures of our nation and in particular our state of Victoria. So if culture reflects kingdom and culture is determined or defined by lordship, that is what is the truth, then we need to make sure that we are connecting to the right truth. Amen? So I want to talk to you quickly then about revelation truth versus perceived truth. Now this was demonstrated to us in the Bible in the first couple of chapters of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 when God referenced two trees in the garden. Revelation truth, let me explain this, revelation truth is the revealed truth and wisdom of God. It is not a truth that I can discover. It is a truth that God chooses to reveal to me and to you. And so if our heart's not right, he can't reveal it. This is why the heart, he weighs the heart. It comes to those who are truly submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. Let me say it again. This truth of God is not perceived truth of man it is the revealed truth of God. People say, why do I need Jesus? Well, without Jesus, you have no access to the revealed truth of God. You can only live in the perceived truth of man. As I said, God warned Adam and Eve about this very issue when he instructed them about what they could eat from every tree in the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is the revealed truth of God from God. But the tree of good and evil is the natural knowledge, the sense knowledge. Without God and without the Holy Spirit, there is no revealed truth. Man creates truth according to his own cursed condition. As I said before, that's our sense or natural knowledge. This knowledge, this natural knowledge, then becomes the foundation of all our earthly wisdom. You can see that if, where man builds on earthly wisdom, on natural revelation, on natural understanding, he is not building on revealed truth. If he's not building on revealed truth, he's not building on something that can last. He's not building on something that produces life. He's not building on something that is of God. He's actually building on something which is of darkness. He's building on something which is demonic. Everything built by man without God is derived from a sin nature. Can I say that again? Everything built by man without God derives from sin nature. Sin nature. What is sin nature? It is life that tries to prevail independently of God. So some people might say to you when you talk about Jesus, but I'm not a sinner. But as long as they're endeavouring to live their life without God, that sin nature manifests in the earth and manifests through their lives. They just, they, they can't see it, they don't realise it. Carnal man has no access to the truth of God. Carnal man has no access to the truth of God. So I can know Jesus, but if I live out of my carnal understanding, 
I deny myself access to the knowledge of God. We hear Pastor Brian, Lynn, myself, Deanna, others uh, 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 wanting to inspire us to live by the Spirit. And we need to learn how to do that. I get that. But it's a choice we make. And the only way you live by the Spirit is by living by faith in Jesus. There's no other way. You want anything of the Spirit, it comes only by faith. This is what John was talking about this morning when he said, the year ahead, great things can happen, but it's got to be about faith. You shared with us from Hebrews 11. If you want to know if you're living by the Spirit, you are intentionally, proactively, choosing to exercise faith in His truth rather than allowing yourself to be influenced by what's happening on the outside. Faith is a very, very determined decision that we make, okay? So as I continue to build the foundation here, I'm coming to the kingdom transition. There's one more thing I need to share with you. We are sustained not by revelation, but by the application of the truth God reveals. I'm going to say it again. We are sustained not by revelation, but by the application of the truth God reveals. What do I mean by this? This is important because this is where deception happens. This morning, the, uh, the team uh, found the flow of the Spirit and, and led us into the holy place of God. I've, I definitely experienced that. It was a wonderful place in His presence and I'm having an encounter with God on the inside and it's insp- inspirational, it's exciting, you, you know, you, you feel God touching you on the inside. It, it's just the most profound place. It's just a fantastic place to be and we want to live there all the time. But when God reveals things to us, if, if we don't apply what it is that He reveals to us in those times, then we're actually a bit like a junkie. We sort of come into His presence looking for this feeling looking for this, wow, this inspirational feeling. You know, oh, this is so exciting. I'm in the presence of God and God's touching me and it's awesome and I love it. But you know, an encounter with God has got to be more than just a feeling. God's not into just giving us a feeling. Unfortunately, when we get this feeling, we think that our life is changing. But actually, you know what? It's not changing. Think about it. If you come to church and you enter into worship, and I'm not saying you don't meet with God because I believe you do, I know I do, but if we come into His presence and we're looking for this fix, we're looking for this nice feeling, this inspiration through the encounter of God, We think we're changing, but actually we're not changing. We're just meeting with God. But when He speaks to us, if in His presence you say, God, speak to me, and He speaks to you, that word He speaks to you has power in that word to make the change, the reconfiguration in your heart and in your thinking. 
And if you take that word that he reveals to you in his presence and you begin to put that word before your eyes and your heart and, you, and by faith you apply yourself to align with that truth, something is going on. That's when God begins to change something on the inside. And I'll come to this in a little while with regard to the word. So do you understand we're not sustained by revelation? I can, you know, I, the, the last couple of years I've sat, I've opened my journal in the mornings, poised with my pen, ready to go. The Bible comes open, the rivers of heaven start flooding. I can't keep up. And I've got to say that I got into a bit of a groove where I'm thinking, this is just awesome, I'm filling journals, I love what God's saying to me, but I felt the Lord say to me, the revelation's not helping you because you are not connecting to the revelation and, and applying it. So we need to adjust how we respond to the Lord. If you, are, if you just come into His presence, either in prayer, in the Word, in worship, we're looking for him to change us on the inside, but it's, it's going to take cooperation. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Now, this life that I live in the flesh, in the natural, I live by faith in the things that he speaks to me. Amen? So, let's talk about this kingdom transition, which is where I really wanted to get to today. Dr. Jonathan has taught us over many years that there's, it's like a, there's a three-way transition. Let me share it with you. In John 3.3, 3, Jesus refers to seeing the kingdom. You can see the kingdom. In John 3.5, Jesus then references entering the kingdom. And then in 1 Corinthians 6.9, Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about inheriting the kingdom. So let's have a look at these three things briefly. The transition in our earthly lives to in coming into fully inheriting the kingdom. This is what I'm really wanting to talk about this morning, what I want to minister to you and empower you with this morning. See the kingdom. Without spiritual rebirth in our heart, through faith in Christ Jesus, no man can see the kingdom of God. True or not true? Hello, true or not true? Are you still with me? Hang in there. Don't get too caught up in your carnal brains trying to take notes or, or understand. Open your heart. Do this. Do this with me. Right. Open your heart. Just let the spirit of truth reach in and begin to bring reconfiguration in your heart. This is what we do with Dr. Jonathan. We go for conference. It's crazy after two days, your brain scrambled egg. So you just got to come and you open your heart by faith and you just receive the ministry of the Spirit. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. And every time you receive them from the Word, open your heart, say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I receive, Lord. Okay? So we see the kingdom. Without spiritual rebirth, without getting saved, can you see the kingdom? Yes or no? Yes or no? Ah, now, that's it. Got a bit of conviction going. That's good. We can't see the kingdom unless we come to Jesus and receive him by faith. Soon as we receive Jesus, in the moment you say yes to Jesus, suddenly you've got eyes that can see what couldn't be seen before. Being born again immediately endows you with spiritual sight. Immediately. You may not understand it, 
but you, you do receive this sight. We can see, we can identify and we can observe activity of a spiritual nature from the spirit, spiritual kingdom of God, but we can also see the spiritual activity of the kingdom of darkness. See, before we were saved, we couldn't see heaven. We also couldn't see hell. As soon as we get saved, now our eyes, the scales from our eyes have been removed and we can discern the kingdom of God. We can see the kingdom. Hallelujah, it looks fantastic. But the, we also we can see the kingdom of darkness. And we go, wow, I never saw that before. Just because we see the kingdom of God doesn't mean we've entered into the kingdom of God. Entering the kingdom. When we enter the kingdom, we are blessed by the culture of that kingdom. We are blessed by the Spirit of God that governs the citizens of that kingdom. So when you enter the kingdom, when if you see it but you don't enter it, you just soldier on in your own life, you, you've accepted Jesus, you've got your ticket to heaven, but life is tough until you die. But if you see the kingdom and decide, I'm going to get into the kingdom, I'm going to enter the kingdom, and you begin to interact with the kingdom and interact with those that are in the kingdom, then the governing influence and truth and spirit of the kingdom of God begins to touch your life and that's when we start getting blessed. That's when we start getting delivered. That's when we start, miracles start happening and healings happen in our lives and marriages get restored and cities can be changed and it's an awesome place. So, and so often we encourage people, rightly so, to come and enter into the kingdom. We don't, may not be saying this in this term, but we're inviting people to come into the kingdom so that the culture and the spirit, the mindset, the mind of Christ in the kingdom of God can begin to affect our thinking and we can actually reach out and begin receiving blessing from that kingdom. I tell you, when we enter into the kingdom of God, our life receives great things. Amen? Church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. It's God's embassy in every nation. That's the church. It is the natural reality of the spiritual presence of God on the earth. It's not just a good bunch of people. People visit an embassy and they can receive the benefits that are a part of that kingdom that that embassy represents. Is that true? If I go to Canberra and I go to the British embassy and since I was born in England and stayed a year or so, I'm considered a citizen of Britain. I can go and I can enter the British embassy and the benefits of that nation can be extended to me. Even though I'm not in Britain at the time, I'm in, and I'm in, I'm in Australia. So, so people can come into the church, the embassy of God, the embassy of God's kingdom, and they can receive the benefits. They, can, they are citizens of heaven. They can receive the benefits even though they're still living on the earth. 
And, and if they leave the embassy and go back out into, into Australia, then they're only accessing what Australia has to offer. Hello. So this is what happens when we enter the kingdom. We see the kingdom, we enter the kingdom, but we haven't inherited the kingdom yet. We think because we get touched by God, we come to church, we, we're a part of a body of people called the church, the body of Christ, and uh, we've entered the kingdom, we start getting blessed. We think, well, it must be all happening, I must be there. But I want to tell you, just because you are receiving the benefit of the kingdom doesn't mean that you have inherited the kingdom. In many ways, I just have a conviction, a personal conviction, that a lot of Christians are in this place. They've been saved, they see the kingdom, they enter the kingdom, they're part of the embassy of God, but they're, and they're enjoying the benefits of the kingdom, but they've not yet inherited the kingdom. To inherit the kingdom, we become an integral part of that kingdom. We've become the manifestation of his kingdom on the earth. We are a walking, talking, mobile embassy for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven. We become his kingdom and his kingdom becomes us. To inherit the kingdom is to live in that kingdom and be governed by the cultures of that kingdom. To live in, my, in the natural world and not be governed by his word means that I see the kingdom and I enter the kingdom, but I've not yet inherited it. Let me take you somewhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I asked Pastor Brian this question a couple of weeks ago. What does it mean to inherit the kingdom? I should have gone to God. <laughs> I did go to God and this is what he told me. Um, it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So, I ask myself, Lord, does that mean they're not saved? And I don't believe the Spirit of God witnessed to me that they weren't saved. But as long as we're saved, but we keep practicing the cultures of the world, Paul's very clear by the Spirit of God, you can't inherit the kingdom. You see, when you start inheriting the kingdom, power and authority is extended to you. A power and authority that is greater than any kingdom on the face of the earth. We can stand against that which is unrighteous, but if we don't stand in his authority and in his power, then the authorities and powers of this world just roll over the top of us. 
It's not enough just for us to resist that which is unrighteous. We need to inherit the kingdom. And we inherit the kingdom by not continuing to practice what the cultures of the world tell us, but we're practicing the cultures of the kingdom of God. In other words, we are taking the word of God and we're making that our culture. We're, ta- we're making that our mindset. So when my mind does not align with the word of God and the revealed truth of God, I need to come to God and say, God, help me change my thinking. And the more my thinking changes, the more the mind of Christ overtakes me and overtakes you. If the mind of Christ overtakes us, we move into inheriting the kingdom and then authority and power is extended to us to bring down every demonic power, to, bring, to destroy every demonic work on the earth, to, to expose every demonic, dark, lying, deceptive thing that holds people in bondage. This is why we need to inherit the kingdom. Not just see it and not just inherit, uh, not just enter it. So I can't talk to you about inheriting the kingdom if I don't talk to you about sonship. We only inherit something when we've become a son. Immigrants live in Australia, but they've not inherited Australia until they've forsaken the cultures and citizenship of all other nations and embrace Australia as their own. It's like we need to forsake all the cultures, all the kingdoms, all the things that are national. We just need to forsake those things and embrace the kingdom of God and we'll inherit the kingdom because we'll become sons, sons of the kingdom. So we inherit the kingdom, or to inherit the kingdom is to live by the Spirit and be governed by revealed truth. Does it make sense? Now I'm connecting the dots for you. To inherit the kingdom of God is to be overtaken by that kingdom. To be transformed by the prevailing mindset of Jesus. When we inherit the kingdom, we tangibly and intentionally prevail in all other kingdoms with his kingdom. We're not leveraged. We're not manipulated. We're not intimidated. We're not deceived by the cultures of, of, of other kingdoms. Because our mind is set on Christ, truth, revealed truth, is working in our lives and authority and power comes to us so we know how to use it the way God would use it in his kingdom. What does the Bible say? Uh, What's the Lord's Prayer? His kingdom come and his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That only happens because my mindset is lined up with his mind and his truth, then his kingdom can be manifest through me on the earth and you on the earth. So Revelations 11.15, you would know this verse, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. How does that happen? One person at a time. One person at a time. So if we see the kingdom and enter the kingdom, but we've not given ourselves to the interests and the purpose of the kingdom, we haven't inherited it yet. Do you know the greatest thing in God's heart, one of the greatest things in his heart, is to give us the kingdom? We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to work our fingers, slave them to the bone till they bleed to get the kingdom. We can't work for the kingdom. 
God wants to give us his kingdom. He is so wanting to release revealed truth to us because every time he reveals truth to us and we respond to it with faith and apply it, we're inheriting the kingdom. This is how much God loves you and I and loves people. This is how much God wants to give us his kingdom. Every time he reveals his truth to you, he's giving you his kingdom. And if we respond accurately and with faith, every time he reveals the kingdom to us, we can make the kingdom our own by our response. Finally, sonship and inheritance. When we are born again, God becomes our father. Hello. Is that true? Give me a wave if you believe that's true. Okay. So when we accept Jesus, God becomes our father. But we must become his sons. So he's, his, he's our father. But we must become his sons. How do we know this? John 1.12 To all those who believe in his name, he has given them the right to become sons and daughters of God. So I say, Jesus... Back in 1983, here I am, uh, I believe in you, I receive you into my life. He said in that very moment, I am now your father. But all of those years since 1983, I'm learning how to become his son. In the heavens and in eternity, I am his son because I'm his son in Christ. But that's out there in eternity. God wants to make it a reality in my life now and in your life right now. So we become sons. So here's a few thoughts. When we see the kingdom, we're adopted. When we enter the kingdom, we are his children. When we inherit the kingdom, we are his sons. Adoption means our identity has changed. Childhood means our benefits have changed. Sonship means our purpose has changed. See the kingdom, we're configured to serve. Enter the kingdom, we serve to receive. Inherit the kingdom, we serve to give. Take those thoughts there, those, those, those points there. Let God speak to you. Let him begin to prepare your heart to inherit more and more of his kingdom. The difference between childhood and sonship is revelation. In other words, what you do with what he reveals. An experience makes you feel changed, but you're not. A transformation means you've changed already. One's internal, one's external. Let me wrap this up. The more his word is becoming flesh in you and dwells among men, then you know you're inheriting his kingdom. The more his word is manifesting through you, and becoming flesh on the earth. His kingdom, you are inheriting it into your life. Now remember what I said, with inheritance comes all. With benefits just comes some. But with inheritance comes all. While our interaction with the revealed word of God is only an external experience, that means it's in our soul, that's what I was talking about, coming to church and looking for a fix. 
then the word, we've not yet become the word. The word has not become internalized. It's not overtaken my mind and my heart. Those who see and enter the kingdom have external experience with the word, but those who inherit the kingdom have an internal reconfiguration through the word. And this results in a permanent change. I'd like to ask you today, do you want to inherit the kingdom? Has the Spirit of God through my ministry this morning created enough of an appetite in your heart that you want to do more than just see the kingdom and enter the kingdom? But do you want to inherit the kingdom? I think that those who see the kingdom and enter the kingdom may not be able to have a great deal of impact on the earth. But those who inherit the kingdom, they do what Pastor Brian talked about earlier, that beyond our expectations and imaginations, God can move. What Deanna said about your imagination, can you imagine what your family could be like if you inherited the kingdom? Can you imagine what sale could be like if you just inherit the kingdom? Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Pastor Brian, would you not say anything? I just want to pray with you this morning. I know I've given you a lot to think about. I want to inherit the kingdom. And God wants to give it to me. I believe if your desire is that you would inherit the kingdom also, God's heart is to give you the kingdom. So the kingdom comes back to revelation truth. Revelation truth sets the culture of that kingdom. You know, for some of us, God, can, God still needs to do a work, well, for all of us, God still needs to do a work in our thinking. For so many of us, we're battling all the time with the perceived truth that the world throws at us. This is called the wisdom of man. And in our mind and in our heart, we wrestle because maybe it just doesn't sound right, but we haven't received yet the revelation truth that can knock that, that lie out of the way. You know, sometimes our minds through all that the world is bombarding us with all its noise and its opinions and now, you know, legally imposing things on us that we disagree with, there's, a, there's an assault on our minds. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we have been given the mind of Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The mind of Christ that is in you is greater than all of man's wisdom. Father, I pray today and I release upon your people the grace to hear your voice, to receive the revealed truth. Help us, Father, when we're being buffeted by, uh, by the opinions of man, by the wisdom of man, even by the intimidations, Lord God, of those in power pushing, Lord God, upon us that which we know is not true, is not, not healthy. 
Help us, Lord. I pray for your grace to come upon us. Hold us solid in your truth. I pray particularly, Lord God, that you would release upon our lives the grace, Lord God, to receive the truth and apply it. Help us to grab the truth with faith and to be able to apply it in our lives, to align our lives and to align our thinking with your truth so that the Word becomes flesh in our lives. Father, I thank you this morning that it is your desire to give each and every believer the inheritance of the kingdom. And Father, we lift our hands to you, we open our hearts to you and we say, Lord, forgive us where we have given in to wrong thinking, where we've given in to the barrage of thoughts. And Father, where there's disorder in us, where the enemy has planted seeds that's that, that hijacks us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that right now in every life and command that it be uprooted and cast away from our thinking, cast away from our very being, and that you would replace, Lord God, that which is of the enemy in our thinking with that which is pure, of that which is of Christ, of that which comes from your kingdom. Father, today... We say to you, it is your kingdom we live for. We live for you, Father. Our desire is for you. Help us to respond to your word when you bring it to us. We see and understand now this is how we inherit the kingdom, that we give accurate response to the things that you reveal to us. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you that resting on every person in this house, right now is the grace to give a new response to your revealed word. A new response that would empower them, each and every one, to stand up, Lord God, in righteousness, to stand up in truth, to be, to be fortified with the truth of God so that we, Lord God, can rise up a mighty company of people and defeat the powers of darkness and set this community free. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that this morning? Just receive it. You don't have a feeling. Don't look for a feeling. Just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Why don't you say that? Yes, Jesus. I receive this morning. And then as he speaks to you today, tomorrow, next this coming week, just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. What do you want me to do with what you're showing me? Is that good? I like things simple. I really do. God bless you. Thank you for that opportunity to minister God's word and life to you. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Brian. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. That's not just uh, a message. That's the word. So... Uh, it deserves a review and it deserves some research. And uh, thank you, Pastor Graham and Dee. Really wonderful. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. And Father, we thank you.